Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. Today's episode will be the spoiler review for Death on the Nile. Now, it's actually been a few days since I've seen this film, so this review may be very short because I can't remember. I can't remember a lot of this film. I can barely remember who did what, but that's the aim of this review. I'm just going to spoil everything I can with who the killers are, who does what, why they do it, if I can remember. So this is going to be a trip down memory lane for me. Hopefully I can remember it because I don't plan on seeing it again, anytime soon at least, especially at the cinema. I mean, I may go again, but... There's just nothing else on that I want to see again, but I don't feel the inclination to watch Death on the Nile, of all things, again, because it's so boring, it's so damn slow, so boring and so predictable, I don't really feel like I can sit through the two hours and seven minutes, however long it is, again. So let's just get right into this. What do I even want to talk about? I think first things first, who dies? Okay, so, well, there's a... There's so many deaths that just randomly happen at the end. It's a bit of a rushed ending, but I liked it. Okay, I liked... Let's start with what I liked. I liked the finale. I thought the finale was good. The third act was pretty solid. It's kind of funny because it is such a mess, but I think the third act is definitely a lot better than the first two acts combined, mainly because the pacing, the green screen, and the performances are not good at all, and the editing as well. It's really not good in the first two acts, but by the third act, it's kind of just going so crazy, so ridiculous, you're expecting it by now, so it was kind of entertaining, or at least more entertaining than what had come before it, but the ending is very rushed, and there's at least three more deaths, I'd say, in the last ten minutes, maybe. One of them doesn't really feel necessary, and the other two, I, I can kind of understand them, but at the same time, something weird is done with the music around this point, and I, something weird is done with the music throughout, to be fair, but this part especially, I wasn't really sure what to feel. So anyway, who dies? The first death, the titular Death on the Nile, belongs to Gal Gadot, Now, I didn't know this would be the case in the trailers, however, as soon as the film started, I knew, yep, she's going to die, right, Gal is going to die, and she does, about an hour and, what was it, four minutes in, which is stupid, right, the death should not have taken that long to happen, it should have happened way sooner, I mean, 40 minutes max, because the first movie is about 10 minutes shorter, and that first death happens about 36 minutes in. I'm talking about Murder on the Orient Express, okay, if you weren't sure about what I was speaking about with the first film. I don't mean the original Death on the Nile from 19-whatever, but I'm talking about Murder on the Orient Express, the previous film in this franchise, I guess you could call it a franchise, Kenneth Branagh starring as Hercule Poirot, so I mean... Yeah, it could be a franchise. I mean, I don't know what else is going to happen next. Uh, they could do uh, they could do as many as they want because, you know, the mysteries never end. But I'm just hoping one day, maybe Poirot is actually involved in the crime itself. Maybe he's going to be the killer. That would be good. And I was kind of hoping they'd do that in this one. I kind of hoped that maybe he'd have a secret. But no, of course he doesn't have anything to do with it because he's the world's greatest detective. And he says it extremely narcissistically. And it works in the first one. But this time I just felt, stop bragging. All right, stop showing off. But no, he keeps showing off, and the funny thing is, is he really that good of a detective, because he basically just bullshit his way into somebody confessing, right, so he says multiple times during this film, I do not know who the killer is, and then he just goes and accuses everybody until somebody cracks, so I don't know if that's genius detective work or lazy, 
I think a little bit lazy. I think it's kind of funny how he just accuses everybody, which they make a joke of, okay? They make a joke of him accusing literally every single person, but at the same time, he's supposed to be this master detective, but he can't detect for shit. So, is he really that good? I, I don't know. He manages to get there in the end eventually, but not without killing even more people in the process. And that's probably necessary. I don't think half the deaths in this film are actually necessary. Who I second? Uh, Rose Leslie's character. She was the maid or somebody. Uh, this was so obvious. This was so painfully obvious. All right, she confesses. And the only other person in the room with her confession is Army Hammer. And then when she's killed and everybody's saying the killer must have known about her seeing who it was, the only other person in that room when she was speaking about that was the person that killed her, right, Army Hammer. So that came as no surprise whatsoever. So very lazy that is. I don't think a lot of people are going to miss that. I think a lot of people are going to think, hang on a minute, that's suspicious that he's in the room when she's giving her speech about where she was, what she was doing, blah, blah, blah. I wonder what's going to happen to her. The second she died, I knew full well it's Army Hammer, but it was predictable before this. It was so damn predictable with the paint and potentially faking his gunshot wound, with the fact that he invites all these people who hold grudges against his wife, but not against him. So he's clearly drawing attention away from him in order to commit the crime. And then obviously, if his ex has something to do with it, which she of course does because she says multiple times i want to kill her i want to do this to her and then poirot's like oh they're just empty threats spoiler alert she does do something all right she is kind of the mastermind of this whole thing so of course she's going to have an accomplice her ex who is now married to gal gadot who dies it's so obvious and i was kind of hoping this wouldn't be the case until after but this was the case whilst watching it for the first time as soon as things happened i was just looking at the screen like is that too obvious to be a genuine foreshadowment but it's not it is just truthfully telling you here's what happens and why but that's not clever right i'm all for telling us secretly who the killer is before revealing it but i knew before poirot which is stupid because we should not do that right poirot is meant to be this amazing and spectacular detective we should find out because of him telling us not the other way around but i was screaming in my head internally screaming at poirot saying it's clearly them for sake like it's clear as day the cousin as well i don't know who he is cousin bernie i don't know ali fazol's character i don't know what accent he's doing in this film but it's trash he's british half the time then he's I don't know, Indian the next? It's so weird. It's so strange. But he is the shiftiest looking mother I've ever seen in a murder mystery type of film. And of course, he tries to kill them at one point. So when they go to the big ruins in Egypt, whatever it's called, that looks very CGI, very green screen, just like every other thing in this goddamn movie. But when they go there, there's a crumbling thing. I don't even know what's going on. Uh, Army Hammer and Gal Gadot sneak off and they, that routine is so weird, that is so strange, she starts basically twerking and grinding up on the statue thing, <laughs> it was so strange, this is 1937 or whenever it's supposed to be set, I don't think, I don't think they'd be dancing like that to be honest, but what do I know, <laughs> anyway, they go up to the ancient pharaoh tomb, whatever it is, and there's a crumbling thing that nearly kills them, but it's just so fake, it's ridiculous. And of course, 
they all say somebody must have pushed it. It can't have been natural, but even though there's a sandstorm coming, of course it had to be natural, and it was the cousin. So it's obvious. It's so clear. He's so shady. If he didn't have anything to do with it, that would be very surprising, but it was clear from the moment you lay eyes on him. Every single time the camera lingers on him, he's always looking a different way, like, oh god, is anybody watching me? Oh god, he's always holding his body in such a guilty manner. But that's not good. I think the only person who is genuinely fantastic in this film is Russell Brand. I really liked Russell Brand in it. I think his character and his performance was genuinely the best part of it. I mean, Kenneth Branagh was okay, but I didn't really like Poirot's attitude. And I mean, I know he solved a bunch of crimes before, so, you know, he probably has good reason to say that he's the world's best detective. But, oh, some of the other things he was saying, I can't remember it. There are good detectives, and there are, well, no, let me correct that. There are average detectives, and then there's me, and I'm like, ugh, really? <laughs> really? God damn it. Anyway, uh, yeah, Poirot's okay in this, but for me, Russell Brand is the best part of this film, and that's that's about it. That's the only positive I can think of is Russell Brand's performance. I am glad that he had nothing to do with it, because there are several times he's being accused, but it's just empty accusations, right? He's literally done nothing to suggest he is the bad guy, but Poirot is always like, you did it, you did it, you're the ex, you must have had a part to play in this, but no, he didn't. He, he was the doctor, he was trying to help people. What else to talk about? Uh, so Rose Leslie, she dies next, but she has a weird French accent, so I'm glad she dies, because she's always like, parlez-vous, oh oui, oui, non, would you like me to get your bags, madame? Just do your f Scottish accent normally, or please, whatever. Just don't do whatever the hell that is. And the accents in this film are completely whack. There's a couple of Americans that don't even need to be American. I think they're played by two British... Three British people. I'm pretty sure Letitia Wright, uh, Sophia Canedo, and Jennifer Saunders, they're all doing weird accents, but I'm pretty sure... I think they're all British, so why the f*** are they doing weird accents? It makes no sense. It literally makes no sense in the grand scheme of things for these characters to be American or to be any other nationality other than what the actors are themselves, so there is no need for that. Gal Gadot and Army Hammer, not good. Really not good in it at all. Dawn French just plays Dawn French. Annette Benning, she's f***ing weird in this she has such a weird melodramatic like kind of fake performance she's giving it's so strange tom bateman there is no need for him to be in this whatsoever uh who else i think that's it i can't think of anybody else major i mean oh, emma mackie of course the ex okay she's probably the only other good actor in this film so russell brand is great and emma mackie delivers a great performance but her character is written poorly and it's stupid, it's so predictable. I really hated it, how every single time you saw her character, she was plotting something against Gal Gadot's character, but then, you know, all of a sudden they say, it can't have been her, she wasn't there, blah, blah, blah. But then, of course, it was her. <laughs> she did absolutely... But why did she kill Buck? Why did... Buck or whatever his name is, Bucks? I don't know, Tom Bateman's character. Why did she kill him? There was no need for that. It was so out of the blue. And I liked what they were going for that, because I knew full well Tom Bateman had something to do with it so he was the one who I think he discovered the body and then he took the necklace and then hid it in his mom's his mom's that's the thing why is his mom Annette Benning, or is it just a Monica that she's having is she really his mom or is she not I don't know but I, I didn't understand what the f*** was going on there because at the start of this movie when everybody gets introduced Tom Bateman is giving a voiceover and just delivering the heaviest exposition ever about every single character and their motives and why they're here on this honeymoon trip 
but it's so rapid and so just in your face, it's extremely difficult to follow. So I was just left confused, thinking, why are we getting this just a regurgitation of exposition that we don't need? All right, we could easily have it done in multiple batches, just like here's the first three, here's the next three ten minutes later, especially because it takes an hour for the first death to happen, but all of this exposition is given in about 30 seconds. That is f pathetic. That is absolutely abysmal. Right? That is not how you tell a story. That is not how you introduce characters. If you're waiting an hour to actually start killing people off, you, that means you have an hour to play around with the characters. You have an hour to develop them, to introduce them, to have all these situations going on. But we do not get any of that. There is barely any development for any character other than Gal Gadot got married to Army Hammer after knowing each other for like, what, six weeks was it? And then Emma Mackey's the bitter ex. I don't know why the cousin is there. I don't know why the I don't know why the doc I don't know why Russell Brand is there because he's the ex of Gal Gadot's character. But why why is he actually there? Why is he there on a honeymoon? That makes no sense. Why is Emma Mackey there? I mean I know she's stalking them and she's following them around, but still just go somewhere where she's not going to go, where she's not going to know as well. But the act like the Nile and the world even is such a small place. She just happens to show up every single place they go. It's not hard to avoid people, right? Just go anywhere else in the world. Go on the f***ing Orient Express next time because I'd rather see a movie just take place exactly the same place with almost the same characters. But no, I think the original, I think Murder has a lot better characters and much better cast and the performances are all fantastic. Yeah, there's a few that's a bit melodramatic as well. Like, I don't know what it is with these films. Are they trying to be purposely melodramatic and kind of just so over the top? It's weirdly stupid. Like Michelle Pfeiffer in the first one, she's strange. Same thing happens with Annette Benning in this and Gal Gadot too even. Like she's doing this weird, I don't even know what accent she's doing. It's like her normal one, but not. I don't know. But then there's a bit when she's dressed up as Cleopatra, but why? It makes no f sense. None of this film makes sense. It opens with a World War One flashback and it's all in black and white. The aesthetic is hard. But why? Why is that happening? Because it doesn't give us any backstory really other than an origin story for Poirot's moustache and why he has it. Because he got scarred so he got blown up and his captain died. His captain had an identical moustache to him. So did he just randomly decide in homage to his captain, I will grow the exact same moustache that you had, sir? Like, why? And how does it cover up his scarring? That makes no sense because when you see him turn over in like a Harvey Two-Face sort of situation, he's got scarring all across his cheek and up towards his eye, but then as soon as he grows a moustache, there is nothing there. There is nothing there at all. So it's just stupid. It's really complete nonsense and it's a farce right this film is an absolute farcical adventure in how not to do a murder mystery right it's completely ridiculous at times it takes too long to get into it it never really seems to get going and it never really ends up anywhere so by the end of it i felt like the only death on the nile was myself i felt myself die a little inside and it's a shame because i was kind of looking forward to it i mean i wish we'd seen it a lot sooner because it's been delayed due to covid a lot but it didn't really need to be that delayed. I would have been happy to watch this on Disney Plus or just at home even 
because seeing it at the cinema just highlights how bad the script is and how bad the green screen is because oh my god I do not think I've seen a worse looking film in my whole life and I've seen a lot of bad looking films with you know bad use of the green screen but this is atrocious this is truly horrific to look at and I don't want to over exaggerate when I say that but I mean it if you just look at any scene from this film I cannot wait for it to be available to stream because I want to look at it again and probably throw up a little because Emma Mackey's introduction in the hotel, when they get introduced to the newlyweds, they all turn around and see Emma Mackey walk towards them and she's walking in through this doorway and the green screen is atrocious. It is so jarring. You can see the edges around her. All right, you shouldn't be able to see that in green screen. Green screen should only enhance things you know use of cgi can be effective this movie had a 90 million budget it looks awful like for that kind of money they've I, I don't know what's gone on i'm guessing gal gadot got a lot of the money hence why she wasn't killed off until the hour and what was it four minute mark so it wouldn't surprise me if half the budget went to her paycheck but it's pathetic right a complete rip off i don't know what they've done with the green screen and cgi but it is so so bad but seeing emma mackie's character walking through the doorway seeing tom bateman's character fly a kite on the pyramids of giza it is so so bad he is obviously he's not there but at least make it not obvious, at least try and convince us he is actually standing on at least some sand, it doesn't even look like they're on sand in Egypt, anywhere on location at all, because the horrendous CGI of the pyramids is just so jarring to the eye, and I hated it, I really really hated looking at that, so much so, I wanted to walk out, but I wanted to see whether Army Hammer was going to get killed, and of course he's the last person to die, so the last two people... It's Emma Mackey, uh, murder-suicide, essentially. She hugs her ex, Army Hammer, and then pulls the trigger and then kills him and her in the process, which I'm glad about. I mean, I don't know if she needed to die exactly, but I'm glad that he died because cannibalism. But, you know, we're not going to talk about that because I've talked about it in the non-spoiler review, so just go and listen to my thoughts on that. I don't like Army Hammer being in it because of the cannibalism, but yeah, is it is it legit? I don't know. I don't want to know. All I know is I've seen the text messages. I know for a fact that he checked into rehab for a very long time because of his tendencies and cannibalistic attitudes. So we're not going to talk about Army Hammer in this film at all other than that. So what else to talk about? Uh, the other characters I don't even care for. I don't care for a single character in this goddamn film, except for Russell Brand. And I never thought I would say that. I never thought I would say, in a movie in which you've got Oscar-nominated actors, probably Oscar-winning actors, I can't think off the top of my head, but some very respectable names, a huge stacked cast, I never thought I'd say Russell Brand is the best performer in this film. I never thought I would say that, but he is. He is genuinely pretty damn good. But yeah, taking an hour and four minutes to get to the first death, and then about three deaths happen in the last 10 minutes it's so rushed but it doesn't need to be right if they just nailed the pacing in the first half they would have had a lot more fun in the second half but everything is so staged and it feels like such a paint by numbers murder mystery film just interview them interview them oh so it's revealed we've got to interview them now we've got to go back to that interview we've got to interview them now it's just the same as the first, it's the same as murder, but this time it's on a boat and it takes even longer to get to the death and the accusations. I think they paced the first one very well in terms of when the murder happens, how it is a mystery 
and how every single person kind of has secrets to reveal but the secrets in this movie they're not really anything necessary to the plot at all so I don't get it I really don't get what has gone on with the writing and the directing here because this is being done by Kenneth Branagh again he's directing it again and he's just been Oscar nominated for Belfast but I find it so hard to believe that the guy who did Belfast is now churning out this rubbish I don't I don't get that this just feels exactly like Artemis Fowl a couple of years back. That was dire. That was probably one of the worst films of the year. Now this is potentially the same, or it's at least definitely one of the most boring films I could sit through this year. So I have no desire to watch it again. Maybe when it comes onto streaming, I will check it out, but I just can't be bothered. I really can't. I don't like the performances. I don't like... Okay, here's the thing as well. It's probably about, I don't know, just under 10 minutes at the start in that prologue scene in the World War One, which is basically just a 1917 rip-off because it's a one-take through the trenches for most of it. And then the ending, there's a little epilogue as well, which is completely unnecessary. So I'd say cut that bit off, cut the ending off as well. You could probably save at least, I don't know, 12 minutes there maybe. That brings the runtime to just shy of two hours. That would be perfect. That would be so much better than what we actually got. But nope, people don't know how to pace films nowadays. People don't know how to actually have mystery in a murder mystery because it was so obvious right from the get-go who was going to have what involvement. And in that respect, I didn't like it. You know, The one thing this film needed to have going for it was mystery and was suspense. And was it actually a surprise when the killer got revealed or killers? Because the first one had multiple killers as well, but this one's just doing exactly the same. Only in the first one it was all of them, this time it's just a few of them. But still, the only other people that don't have anything to do with it aren't even necessary to the plot. So of course, the only people that have something to do with it are the ones that are focused on. Right, Dawn French's character and Jennifer Saunders, there is no real connection or impact these characters have on anything, on the plot, to other characters, to us as an audience. There is no connection there at all. And surprise, surprise, they have nothing to do with the crime at all. So what is the point in them being in it? The same with Letitia Wright and Sophia Canado's character. There's no real need for them to be in it. There's only one big reveal when Poirot reveals that he's actually working on a secret case led by Annette Benning because she wants to know whether Letitia Wright is a good fit for her son, Tom Bateman. Why? Like, there is no need for any of these characters to be in it because they have no connection to the actual plot going on whatsoever. So just cut them all out, trim the fat down, but then everybody in it is going to have something to do with the murder, so it's going to be the most obvious thing even more so. I, I don't like it. I don't like this film. It's too slow. It's too bland. Characters are poorly written. The performances are not good. And the green... I cannot stress enough how bad the green screen actually is. But anyway, I think I'm going to leave it there because I'm starting to get a bit of a sore throat, actually, from talking about this. And I wouldn't recommend it. I would just recommend watching Murder on the Orient Express. Maybe reading the book. I'm tempted to read the book for this because I want to know, is it genuinely this boring in the book? Or is it just uh, for cinematic purposes they've managed to drag it out into the most boring piece of shit I've seen in a very long time? And this was the day after Uncharted, which was also one of the most boring pieces of shit I've seen in a very long time. So what happened, what what honestly happened with this film? They had so much time to re-edit it, to cut Army Hammer out of it, to recast him, so much time to do all of these things, but they didn't. They chose to just wait and wait and wait until they released it, and it's not been worth it. Really not been worth the wait at all, in my opinion. And, I mean, I know some people are liking it. I've heard very good things. I've heard very mixed things. But I'm here to tell you, as I have told you, 
very bad things. I did not like it. So with that, I've been Kieran. This has been Death on the Nile. I may, if I've, got, if I've literally got nothing else to watch, I may go see it again, but probably not for a while. So yeah, I've been Kieran, and I shall speak to you in the next episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. <laughs>